0: thrilling to hear two stories of uh, different people who responded in different ways to what they heard God say they should do, and it's brought blessing to other people. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we're called to do. We, we, we're called to respond to the Holy Spirit in our lives, what God is calling us to do, and as we obey, He brings an inheritance for us. And so this morning, I would like to talk in 10 minutes this morning Just to finish off this little um, portion on on Abraham's story out of Hebrews. So please uh, look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. And we're going to just talk about this morning, obedience that leads to God's promises being fulfilled in your life. Obedience that allows the fullness of God's promise to come into your life. And so I'm going to read a couple of verses from verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up his son... Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, by faith, Jacob went dying Blessed each of the sons of Joseph, buying in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Uh, We've been looking for a while now at the story of the great um, heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And last week I had a look specifically at Abraham and his journey of faith. And I trust that that encouraged you together with these uh, stories that we've heard this morning of other people's journeys of faith, the things that God has called them to do. And I was trying to encourage you to persevere in the call of God in your life. All of us have a call. All of us have something specific that God has called us to do with our lives. And my whole intention with these messages is to try and encourage you to persevere to maintain the thing that God has called you to do, to be determined to see that um, uh, fulfilled in your life and to persevere. That is what inherits, brings the inheritance of God's promise in our lives. And so today I'd just like to tie up some of these thoughts. But let me remind you really uh, what the writer of the Hebrews, book of Hebrews is trying to do. He's trying to persuade us as the readers, and he's trying to convince us to keep on believing God to keep on believing God's promises for our lives. And isn't that sometimes difficult? You hear the promise, but to keep on believing when you don't see the fruit of the promise, that's the most difficult thing, to persevere when you have not yet seen the fruit. And so many of us have promises for our lives, dreams that God has given us, callings that God has given us, and we have not yet seen the fullness of those things yet. And the real challenge, the the life of faith is to persevere in the moment when you have not yet seen it. That's the, that's, the, that's the Christian life. And so I'm trying to encourage you, whatever your call is, whatever God has given you to do, keep on believing. Keep on trusting. That is the great message of Hebrews 11 and the whole book of Hebrews. Keep on trusting in God and His goodness and His promises to you. So he's trying to do that on, one hand, on the one hand. And, and secondly, the writer of the Hebrews, is, is, remember this, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to people like you and me. He's not writing to backslidden Christians. Why do I say that? Because remember, already in Hebrews chapter 11, he's trying to encourage us. He said, don't give up the habit of meeting together as some have already done. So he's saying there are some Christians that are backslidden. They don't really get together with the community of believers. They don't really encourage, get um, encouraged in God's word. He's not pointing fingers. He's just saying, don't, I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to you. Those that have committed yourselves to this journey. Those of you that are determined not to draw back. Those of you that are determined to see God's will for your life. I'm speaking to you. Don't worry about the other guys. I'm speaking to you. And to you I'm saying, do not give up. Persevere. Don't give in to unbelief. Don't draw back into doubt. All the things that we, tended to do all the, we are tempted to do all the time. Just to doubt a little bit. Oh God, did you really mean that when you said it? So he's saying, don't give in to that. And he's, he said we can, we, we can have this confidence uh, to persevere like this. Why? Because he says he's given us this wonderful opportunity to experience the presence of God because of the cleansed conscience that we have, because of the, full thing, the fullness of what Christ has done for us in, in being the perfect sacrifice. So he says, guys, you can have this confidence. You can boldly enter into the throne room of God. You can enjoy God's presence. You can persevere with a clear conscience because of what Jesus has done for you. So don't give up. Don't draw back. Believe. Keep on believing. Keep on encouraging. Keep on meeting together. Keep on lifting up each other's arms because this is the promise of God for all of you. So he's trying to, he's trying to over and over... He's trying to encourage us with this message. And so he chooses all these Old Testament heroes to help paint the picture and get us to understand. And here he, um, he finishes off this little section on Abraham with perhaps the greatest achievement of Abraham's life. And it's the story that we found in Genesis 22. And there are four little simple things that I would like to leave with you this morning. The first is this, that the greatest achievement of Abraham's life begins with the greatest test of his life. Do you see that? The greatest achievement of faith in Abraham's life begins with the greatest test that he's had to endure. I put it to you this morning, for those of us that love Jesus, those of us that uh, are determined to see God's call in our lives. Those of us that have received great promises from God about our future, that is an invitation for a great test in your life. A great test of faith. That's how it is. I wish I could say to you (laughs) that if you have great promises for your life, that it's going to be easy and you're just going to sail through life without any tests. I'm afraid, my friends, that is not the story of the Scripture. Anyone who has a great promise in the Scripture goes through a great test to see that promise fulfilled. And what they are tested in is, moment by moment, do I believe that God is good? Do I believe that God is kind? Do I believe that God has this for me, although I I do not yet see it? Do I believe? Do I continue to trust God by faith? And that is exactly what the Scripture says. Abraham, believe God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. It is a walk, a journey of faith. I want to encourage you. All of us have promises of God in our lives. All of us have things that we are waiting to inherit. This is the great thing that we're going to have to all pass. There will be a test in order to see that thing come to be. Secondly, do you see this test involved The promise that God had given to Abraham, it involved the subject of the promise. That first verse continues, And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son. God seemed to be saying to to Abraham, uh, For you to see this promise fulfilled, I want you to sacrifice the very thing that is the promise to you. How does that work? All that God's promises were concentrated on was Isaac. And it seemed that God was saying, I want you to offer up Isaac. Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. What what would happen if Isaac died? What would happen to all the promises of God that God had made to Abraham? How would they come to be if he, he, he sacrificed his son? And I put it to you, it's exactly the same for you and I as believers. It's, it's as true for us as believers as it is, was for Abraham. Sometimes there comes a challenge into your life, something that seems to be so great that it seems to threaten the very thing that you are living for, the very thing that you believe God has called you to. It seems to threaten the very, very thing that God has called you to be and to do. I'll put it as strongly as this. It sometimes even challenges the very thing you feel that is God's will for your life. God, if that is your will for my life, how can this be? This thing seems to be dying. And I put it to you, if you're walking a life of faith, that you're going to face that challenge sooner or later. The big promise that God has given you, the big thing that you're trusting Him for, that thing will be challenged and it's going to not seem to be working out as you think it should work out and you're going to be saying, God, help me. How can this be? All right? Thirdly, This challenge of Abraham's faith led him to greater faith than ever. Isn't that encouraging? The very thing that was being challenged led him actually, in the long run, to be a man of the greatest faith ever. And this for me is the most amazing part of the story. It's uh, the verse that says, He considered that God was able to give him back and even raise him from the dead, which figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back. Do you notice the texture? I just want to point this out. He didn't, it doesn't say that, that uh, Abraham was thinking about offering up his son, contemplating it, meditating on it. It doesn't say that. It says, it says um, he was in the very act of offering up his son. The knife was raised. He had thought about it. He was about to bring it down. He was in the act of sacrificing his son. In his heart, it was as good as done he had thought about it it was premeditated and he was in the act of doing it when god spoke and said no stop why do i say that well because of what it was doing in his heart in terms of faith his obedience his his obedience to what god had called him to do was raising him to a new heart of faith even as he was bringing the knife down, he was debating with himself. He was reckoning. Do you notice the Scripture says uses that word? He reckoned with himself that God would raise Isaac from the dead. It was like he was having a debate in his head. He was saying, God has given me all these promises about a seed. And through the seed, uh, uh, there's going to be a blessing to all the nations. God is now asking me to sacrifice that seed. But I believe that God is powerful. I believe that God is all-knowing and that His promises can never fail. So there's this logic in his, in his brain, and he's saying, if that's all true, it can only mean one thing. God is going to raise my son from the dead. <laughs> he's, he's gone to a much higher level of faith in the very act of being tested like this. And he's saying, I know, I know that God can conquer death. Why? Because I remember the story of Enoch. Enoch was taken to heaven, conquered death. I I know God can do that. So surely, this is the only logical, there's like spiritual uh, logic here. This is the only logical outcome. If God has promised me all of this, and I say sacrifice your son, there's only one logical outcome. God is going to raise my son from the dead. Because his promises are still true. Man, that is faith on another level. And so for all of us, our faith in creation, our faith that God created, has to come to another level. Remember remember, we um, looked at that. First, faith in creation uh, in Hebrews uh, verse 3. That's what faith starts as, faith in creation. What, is, what has happened to Abraham's faith? He's believed God is the creator. He's believed God is good. But now he has resurrection faith. He's believing that God can do I- the impossible in resurrection. There's a level of faith, a deeper level of faith that God has worked in his life and so i want to encourage you that god wants that for all of us that we truly do understand and know and believe that the impossible things god can do them through the power of christ who is resurrected from the dead there's a deeper level of faith that god is calling us to and i want to encourage you whatever the promises of god over your life that seem to be impossible right now god is requiring of all of us Do we trust Him like that in the very act of allowing the thing to die that He can raise it to a new level? Will we trust Him with that kind of faith? Lastly, I think the greatest part of the story is taken for granted. Why do I say that? Because the writer of the Hebrews already knows that we know what happened. Early in Hebrews, um, in verse 13, He's already made mention of this thing of Abraham uh, getting a promise made, an oath made from God that he received when he sacrificed to Isaac. And you know this amazing promise that God says, now I swear by myself that I will bless you. You see, that's what persistent, obedient faith brings into our lives. It brings the promise of God that says, now I will surely bless you. I can see that you love me. Yes? Surely all of us are living for that. Surely all of us want to hear that promise over our lives. Now I will surely bless you. I see how much you love me. You have obeyed. You've persisted. You've not given in. You've trusted. Even in the face of the thing seeming to die, you've believed me, and I love that, and now I will surely bless you. You see, I see, I, I conclude with this. It's the same for all of us. As we persist in faith, all of us will be led to the point of inheriting God's promises for us. And that's what the writer has been saying to us all along. And again and again, he's trying to illustrate this point over and over through the story of Abraham. Why? Because he's longing for us, every believer, every disciple of Jesus, to travel the same pathway that Abraham traveled and to not give in, but to continue believing, to continue trusting, to continue so we can see the inheritance of God's promises in our lives and really you know we have so much more than abraham did we have the blood of jesus abraham didn't have the blood of jesus we have the powerful blood of jesus to enable us to believe and to draw strength from the throne of grace we we have the blood of christ to enable us in a way that Abraham was not enabled. We have the ever, uh, this amazes me every time I think about it, Jesus is right now at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. Doesn't that blow your mind? That the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords is interceding for us, is praying for us that we will not fail, that we will not give in, that we will persevere in the thing that God has called us to do. And we have so much more than Abraham did. So I want to encourage you, as you go on holiday or as you've been on holiday, I trust you've had some time to think and reflect. What is the thing that God is calling you to? What is His will for your life? What is the promise that He's given to, to you that He wants you to hold on to? Will you give yourself to trusting Him, believing Him, believing in His promise for your life, and not giving up so that you might hear His well done, that you might inherit the promise that He has for you? Amen? Why do I say that? Because there's an inheritance for this church, all of us together. And something of that inheritance is worked out as you find the call of God for your life, and I find the call of God for my life, and Clive does, and Dawood does, and and oh no, you see I've started and then I forget people's names, Colin and, and Mario as you find the call of God for your life and you persevere and persist and see the promise of God for your life, the whole church thrives and prospers. And the corporate calling of the church is worked out as each of us finds the calling of God for our lives and perseveres in that calling. Amen. Surely that's encouraging. Because it's not just about a preacher and a church, it's about the whole church finding the call of God, each individual, and we slot together like a jigsaw puzzle, and then the church prospers and thrives, and the kingdom comes, and the community is transformed and blessed. Whether it's Andy doing what God's called him to do in Romania, or you doing what God's called you to do in your workplace, or helping to save someone's life like David did, or whatever it is, preaching like I preach week after week, As you live out the call of God in your life, it will be a blessing to many. Don't give up. Persevere. God is with you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word, the simplicity of your word. Above all this morning, I pray that uh, as we take time out to think and reflect on our lives, what you've called us to do, what you've given our hands to do, I pray, Lord, that we would not shrink back from that. I pray that we would take courage. Thank you for those amazing testimonies this morning, of what you're doing in Andy's life, what you've done in David's life, to be a blessing to other people. And, Lord, we too want our lives to count. We want our lives to live for your glory, for your kingdom. And so I pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us about the things that you've called us to do, that we would persevere in those things. That we would see our thing as equally important as anybody else's. Because without us doing what you've called us to do, the fullness of what you want to do in your church cannot be seen. So, Lord, we don't want to shrink back, none of us. We want to thank you for the gifts that we have, what you've blessed us with. And we want to ask, Lord, you would help us to persevere like Abraham. To believe you and go on believing you when we don't yet see the fullness of what you've promised. Thank you, Jesus, that you've promised much for all of us. And we pray, Lord, that we would see the fullness of your blessing in this community, and through this church into the, the, the surrounding area of St. Albans and Hertfordshire, and wherever you take us, Romania, Cambodia, to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, Amen.